When you endure the hard times, it makes you more grateful for the good ones, doesn't it? On New Year's Eve, I don't know how you spent your evening, but uh, our family was traveling back from the mountains of Colorado here back home. We've made this trip, we make it two or three times a year for the last 13 years, and this year was a little bit different, because right outside of Amarillo, it started to snow. And uh, I, I thought, wow, this is cute, it's snowing in Texas. And I asked my wife to look up on weather, the weather app to see kind of what might be in front of us. And she turned to the radar and showed me that we were in for quite an adventure. And so what would normally take maybe seven hours to get home took about 15 hours from Amarillo to here. Uh, for, for the next several hours, this was my view. And I took this picture and it was 35 miles an hour in snow from Amarillo to Junction. It was, an, it was incredible. And, but I knew around dinner time uh, that we would get into Sweetwater. And in Sweetwater is home of one of the world's greatest spicy chicken sandwiches, Popeye's. I used to work there as a kid. I love the chicken sandwich. I thought if I could just get to Popeye's, everything would be okay. I could go a little bit further. And so that for, for several hours, I was like, if you just keep pressing on, John, if you keep driving, there's going to be a spicy chicken sandwich waiting for you, that pickle. I mean, it's going to be great. And so I, 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 I got closer to Sweetwater. And as I got closer, the anticipation was building up. I was like, I endured, you know, it was a grind. And, and as I rolled up to Popeye's, it was in the evening, it was late New Year's Eve. Guess what? Totally closed. It broke my heart. I was disappointed. But I looked up my eyes and there across the street was the big light of Waterburger, and it was open. And Waterburger saved the day, had the green chili burger with the spicy ketchup and everything was right with the world and we were able to keep going on and it was a grind to get to that point. Some of you, it was, it's been a grind this past year, right? And he, although we kind of, you know, flip over to a new year, we're not promised that everything, just all the problems and challenges vanish, right? So what will be your beacon of light? What are you going to turn to? Who are you going to trust in? And I hope that you would trust in Jesus Christ, that you would trust in the word of God that is timeless and it will remain. His words will remain forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his words, Jesus says in Matthew 24, will remain forever. Amen. Well, happy new year. And to my Latino brothers and sisters, Feliz Año Nuevo. I am so glad that you're in the house of the Lord together as we embark on a new year. You've honored the Lord by being here or online, and we are going to worship him and dedicate this, this year to the Lord. So if you'd like to do that, will you stand to your feet and let's pray as we put our trust in the Lord for a new year. Father, we thank Thank you for your blessings. Can you just lift up your voices? Just be grateful as the Lord reminds you, the Holy Spirit reminds you of the blessings. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for our blessings, our relationships, Father, our church family. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our comforter. You're our guide. You've never left us. You have been faithful. We thank you. And Lord, I pray for the church family who I love 
that for many of them that are suffering from hurt or so much has been torn away that are broken in the area of finances and relationships or in their health, I pray that they would not be defeated, but Father, they would look to you and that you would restore all that was lost, Lord. I pray that you would help us have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, a hunger and thirst for you, Jesus, that maybe what we've given our time and attention to have been distracted, we would be laser focused in you, Jesus. I pray that you would help us just to to see the value of spending time in your presence and abiding with you. Help us as a church family, Lord, to to look to you, Father, that you'd want to do extraordinary things in and through this church family, God. I pray for marriages to be restored. I pray that we would be about your business, your kingdom work here on earth, God. Rise something inside of us, Jesus, we pray. Help us, O oh Lord, to have that positive outlook to you, what you want to do in and through our lives and in our city. God, I pray that you would bring favor once again to our spurs, that we may get back to the playoffs. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I am so glad that you're here for the start of our, our new series called From the Ruins. From the Ruins. I love the word of God because it's full of examples of what he's done. Extraordinary things to ordinary people, people like you and me that, that just trust him and whatever he says, we obey. And I love that. I love that about him in this series as we spend time in prayer and in fasting and, and, and making him first in our lives. Like he is first. And if we will really set enough time in him that he's going to reveal something. This is a series that's for you who, who really believe deep down inside you were created for something more, that you want to make a difference, that you believe that God has an eternal purpose in and through your life. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited that God's going to reveal that to you over the next few weeks. But I want to warn you that it, oftentimes when you trust the Lord to do what he wants to do, that's maybe bigger than yourself, that there is a cost, that, that people may make fun of you, that people won't understand. There, there will be hard times, but I want to encourage you, whatever he says to you, whatever he says to us as a church family, let's be obedient. Let's set our hand to the plow and not be afraid, but trust him that he is a God that will provide, he will protect us, he will be with us. Amen? So turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Nehemiah. I love the story of Nehemiah. It's going to motivate you and inspire you. I love it because he's, a, he's an ordinary guy. He's not a pastor or a prophet. He's not a king or a warrior. He's just an ordinary guy who hears about a problem and says, I'm available to do something about it. His occupation, he was a cupbearer to the king. And you may ask, well, what in the world is a cupbearer? It's a good question. I think as close as we can get in our context, a cupbearer is like a a butler. He kind of worked in the area of hospitality. He served the king. And and this was a big deal. Like to serve as a king to a Persia, it was already Xerxes at the time. He, He had to be trusted. He was a person that would have been trusted with hearing things that were confidential, and he had to keep these things under wraps. He, he had to be loyal to the king. I mean, this, there was like a, at some places of the world that there were plots to maybe assassinate the leader or the king, and it was very true. It was very common in that day 
And often they would do that through poisoning. And so the cupbearer would taste the wine before the king would. And if everything was okay with the cupbearer, everything would be okay with the king. If it wasn't okay with the cupbearer, then the king wouldn't drink the wine. So the cupbearer needed to have a good life insurance policy, right? And, and so here he is. He, he's, he hears some news about his hometown. That's where we're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So Nehemiah is having a conversation with his brother, and he says, tell me about our people. How are things going in our hometown? Like, what, what's going on? He wants to hear about it because the reality, the context is about 140 years prior, uh, the people of Israel had hardened their hearts. They were worshiping other idols. They weren't being obedient to God. And God removed his hand of favor and protection for them. They were judged. And the Babylonians came in under King Nebuchadnezzar and just destroyed their city and, and took many people as slaves into their new land. And so it, it was just a, a demoralizing time. If you've ever heard of the temple that Solomon built, completely leveled, the it was just, the, the buildings were in ruins. The walls were torn down. It was a, just a terrible place. And so decades had passed and now 50,000 Jews had returned to their home country and they were trying to do the best to rebuild, but there wasn't any real leadership. There wasn't vision. And so they were, they were kind of running around in circles. It was like a dead end. And so the brothers here telling Nehemiah this, and, and that's why he said to Nehemiah in verse three, those who survived the exile are back in the province and they are in great trouble and disgrace. Why? Because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. In other, in other words, with no wall, with no gates, there would be no protection. Like the walls around the city are, are like, it's kind of its identity. It's the first line of defense. And so if you have no defense, then people can continually attack you and rob you. And, and so there was a, a difficult time. There's a season of uncertainty. There was no direction, no leadership, no economic system. And it was just a lot of problems. And, and Nehemiah was hearing this and he was troubled in his heart. And so you may look around and say, man, these are difficult times. This is there's a lot of uncertainty. So how do you respond when you hear bad news? How do you respond when there's challenges around you? Do you panic? Do you withdraw? Do you isolate yourself? Or do you take action? If you want to be part of the solution, I want to encourage you to let's look at God's word. Allow God's word to reveal to us how we can be a people of action, be a people of solution. And so there's three things that Nehemiah did that we can learn and apply to our life in whatever area the Lord is leading us and guiding us to be a part of the solution. Because how many of you want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem? Amen. And so whatever it is in your everyday life or in your marriage, your family, your job, your, your, but, but God's kingdom work, let's discover from Nehemiah. So the first thing that we we need to do, like for that Nehemiah does, it might surprise you, but the first thing you do is you sit down and cry. You sit down and cry and you just, you weep about it. And it may not seem like a very manly thing to do, but spiritually it's important. It's important to kind of like take a, a close look at the injustice around you and to be bothered by it, to move it from a thought in your head to your heart where you're really broken and you feel a burden, an ache in your soul. 
So what is it around you that, that bothers you? Is it the plight of, of children who are being abused, neglected, that are in poverty? Is it, is it people, friends, others that are, are addicted to strongholds in their life because of, of drugs or alcohol or pornography? Or, or is, it, is it COVID issues? Or is it the spiritual darkness of people who are, who are, who are not right with God? And, or is it the unreached people groups? Is there a, an area in our world that, that the Lord is calling you to give towards or calling you to go towards, uh, to run to the fight, to run to a place that doesn't seem very safe? What is it that the Lord wants you to be bothered about? It's important for us to look at this because Nehemiah in verse four, it says that he, when he heard these things, when he heard about the devastation, when he heard about the hopelessness, it says that I sat down and wept. It crushed his heart. He just couldn't do anything but just feel grief, remorse, and sorrow over his hometown. Now, what surprises me and what's so interesting about Nehemiah here is that Remember, when he hears about this news, he's a thousand miles away, all right? And I don't know about you, but like, it would have been real easy for him to hear the news, but him to go, you know what, they're a little bit far away. What can I possibly do, you know? Like, that's a a long ways away. And it it would be easy for us to like, I don't know about you, but when when I hear of news, if I'm scrolling on my phone or if I get a a prayer request, you know, I, I, I... it's easy to be bothered and maybe in that moment to feel a little bit of sadness and then move on, right? You say you're going to pray. You may or may not pray. But the next day, two days later, you've completely forgotten and you've moved on. And so there's a difference between feeling bad in a moment versus letting it get deep into your heart and be bothered by this heavenly pain and sorrow, this burden for the Lord. And that's what Nehemiah has at that moment, because he would have been real easy. It would have been real easy for Nehemiah to be comfortable in his life. I mean, he's living in the palace, right? He's with the king every night. He's having filet and Merlot. And he's just, he's like, he's, he has a dream job, really. It's comfortable. I mean, he, if, if they had Netflix, he was watching his favorite show every night. He was taking selfies with the king, hashtag blessed to serve. You know, it was like this great job. And, and, but he hears the news. And when he hears the news, instead of it just being like in passing, I'll pray about it. He sat down and he began to weep and the sorrow turned to tears and he wept before the Lord and he cried. And I would ask you, what is it that breaks your heart? Have you been so sensitive that you spent time with the Lord and say, God, what, bra- what, what is bothers you? What, what breaks your heart? And would you allow it to break my heart? Would you allow it to just allow me to have your burden? I want to share in that burden. When's the last time you've prayed that prayer? See, I'm not... I'm not worried or concerned when I, from time to time I'm so bothered that I would weep over a condition of a people or see a problem, but rather I would be concerned if it's gone so long where I have not wept over a burden, over a problem, over a challenge. Uh, when is the last time that you wept over someone who has been really struggling, that's been in, in great need or in great pain? I was in my early 30s when I was in the 14th year of student ministry. I thought I was going to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. And I traveled back home uh, here in this area to visit my parents. They were going to a, a wonderful Methodist church at the time. And, and I remember just, just 
feeling like God was giving me this holy dissatisfaction, that he was preparing me for a change. And, and, I, and I rode my bike through the streets of this community and up the hills and, and talked to people in coffee shops and, and, and just began to talk to, just listen and, about the needs that are here. And I would ask people, well, where do you go to church? And the people who did go to church, most of them drew, drove outside of the community and drove miles away to go to another church. But what really bothered me is that many people who I asked didn't have a church home at all. And I remember driving into the neighborhood that I currently live in. I got top of a hill and it was, the sun had set and I could see in the distance the lights that were in San Antonio. But when I looked here in, in our community in Lotus and the Northwest side, it seemed very, very dark. There weren't any lights physically. And I just felt spiritually there was a parallel and I just became so overwhelmed with a burden. And all I could do was just really weep. And, and God gave me a, a compassion and a love for this community. And then that was about almost 13, 14, years ago. And, but the Lord allowed this burden to, to produce a, a time where, what could I possibly do? I'm just one person. I'm just, I'm just a youth pastor that lives in another state. What could I possibly do? But what the Lord did in that burden is he moved me to a, a place of burden, to a place of prayer. And this is what we do when we want to be a, a part of what God wants in our life. First response is that we may need, just need to sit down and cry, but we don't just stay there, Right. We kneel down and pray. And that's the second part. We kneel down to pray. We kneel down to pray. And that's what Nehemiah does. And we see that in, in his life, that, that in verse, the next verse, it says that for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Listen to me, church family. If it's big enough to be bothered about where we weep, then it's big enough to pray about. We can't just be bothered and, and, and be concerned. Apart from God, we can do nothing. And when there is prayer, there's a link to God's presence. There's a link to God's provision. There's a link to his power, to his grace. And, and we won't be able to accomplish much supernaturally, if anything, apart from the Lord. And so prayer must be a priority. We see that in Nehemiah's life, that he was a person who is a, a prayer. He doesn't just save prayer and save God as the last resort and, and try to figure things out on his own and try to fix it. But rather he said, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to entail, but I do have a burden and I do, I must pray. I must pray. He, he couldn't just, he couldn't just say, well, I'm in the presence of a king and the king might just help me on my own. So I'm just going to ask him. I'm going to figure things out. He went to God in prayer and it says in verse five, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. God, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to the prayer your servant is praying you. How often? It says day and night. It's not just a token prayer, not just in a moment, but day and night for days and evenings. He would pray and pray for who? Pray for your servants the people of Israel. He had a burden for his, the people that were in, who were in, once in exile and they returned back. And, and if you read and, and continue to read on in Nehemiah, which I hope you do, then you're gonna see that, you're gonna see a lot of Nehemiah's prayers. And he prays a confession of his own sins. He confesses the sin of his people. 
He prays and he begins to remind God of his promises. He reminds God that God is is faithful. And he goes to the Lord in great humility and he honors the Lord and he's very dependent. And, And then he says, God, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's talking about the king. So you watch him pray over and over these these heartfelt, earnest, effective prayers to God. To be a man of God, you gotta be a man who knows how to pray. To be a person who who does and and produces fruit, kingdom fruit in your life, you gotta be a person of prayer. And we see that. I'm concerned that oftentimes our prayers are safe prayers. It's like, Lord, thank you for this meal. Would you bless me today? Would you protect me today? Would you protect those I love today? And if that's the extent of your prayers, then I would say that you are limiting what God wants to do in and through your life. And I wanna challenge you this year to pray bold prayers, to pray dangerous prayers, to pray prayers that would might scare you in the natural realm. But you would pray prayers saying, God, I'm available to you. I'm your servant. I wanna open up my eyes to those who are around me. I don't wanna be selfish. I don't wanna be inward. I wanna wanna trust you to to make a difference in it through my life, through my small group, through my church, and and be available to him. And whatever he says to you, when you pray, you're gonna have faith to believe in obedience that God will honor that faith and that just as you as he is faithful, you will be faithful to him as well. Be a person of prayer. And this is a time, here we are at the beginning of the year. I know that we've gone through a long season of difficulty. And maybe as you reflect on last year, maybe it's a litmus test. This trial is a litmus test for you. How was your prayer life? What are your actions? What were you concerned about? What did you give your time and attention to? And I hope that it was more than just yourself. But when you pray, you can become outward. When you pray, you can be concerned about what's on God's heart. And so I want to challenge us as a church to just carve out time and space and say, Lord, would you fill it? Would you speak to us? We we don't want to get ahead of you, but we want to humble ourselves and pray. So I'm calling you as our church family to a time of fasting and prayer over the next 21 days. To fast and pray. Fast things that maybe you give too much time and attention to. But if you discipline that, if if you withdraw from those times, you'll have more time to be spent with the Lord. You don't just fast food. And, and then not fill it with prayer. Otherwise, it's just a diet, right? There's no value spiritually for that. So ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to fast? Our, our, our whole staff is fasting sugar. We're gonna, many of us are going to fast social media or media. And, and you may want to do the Daniel fast. There's so many different fasts. Will you trust the Holy Spirit on what that looks like for you? Maybe for your marriage and your family. And then we're going to pray. We're going to spend more time in prayer as individually. We're going to go to the secret place. We're going to abide with the Lord saying, Holy Spirit, would you direct and guide us? Would you speak to us? What is the vision that you want to reveal to our church and for our individuals, for our marriages, for our families at work? And then we're going to come together in three weeks on a Sunday evening at 7 p.m. for a night of worship, prayer. We're going to break our fast with communion and we're just going to get together and just honor the Lord. And we're going to believe with faith that he is going to speak and he's going to reveal what he wants to do in and through our lives and our church for the rest of this year. And so the first thing that we do when we want to be a a person of a solution and be what God wants to do and fulfill through our lives is we sit down and cry. The second thing is that we kneel down and pray. The third thing is that we stand up and act. 
We stand up and act. We, we, we become a person of action. And so we see in verse four, the king says to him, Nehemiah, what is it you want? And then watch again. Here's, a, here's more of, of, of Nehemiah's almost knee-jerk response to everything is that he, he prays to God in heaven. He prays again, and I answer the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried. He has enough faith. This was a risky move by Nehemiah. I mean, he's trusted by the king. For Nehemiah to leave or even ask to be leave, to leave, it, it, would have, it could have cost him his job or even his life. But he knew as a person of prayer, he got a hold of God and God birthed the vision in his heart. And, and, and he knew the presence was with him. He knew the, the favor of God. Listen, when you become a person of prayer and you're so much into the presence of God, and when he confirms it through the word of God, that his favor will always lead to the favor of others. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be concerned. Once we have the favor of king, the favor of king, and we just need to be obedient. We need to execute on what he says. And that's what gave Nehemiah confidence and courage in approaching the king. He had favor now. And he was like, so I, well, the, the king's going, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And he was like, I got to return to my, my, my town. Uh, there, there's a wall that needs to be rebuilt. There's gates that were burned down that need to be erected. There's, there, there needs to be something to happen. If no one else is doing it, why not me? And so he leaves and he, and he goes back home. And so I, I want to ask you, what is it that, that bothers you? It's easy, I think, for many times to, to respond to a problem with a complaint, negative attitude. And if that's all there is, then that could be a sign of immaturity in your faith. But when you look around and you see something that bothers you, it might bother you in your church or in your community, why not say, God, I wanna be a part of the solution here. And oftentimes that God will allow you to see a gap or a problem and, and he's allowing you to see it and be bothered by it because he wants you to be a part of the solution. He wants you to trust him, to, to, to take a step of faith. And, and you may say, well, I... I Man, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a small group leader. I'm just an ordinary person. God loves that because he's gonna receive all the glory. He, he wants you to be somewhat inadequate. But if you are so bothered by the problem that you would enter to a place of brokenness and prayer and just allow God to birth a vision, to, to, to birth faith, I, I wanna encourage you to, to just, let's, let's spend time even now, but over the next few weeks, I wanna encourage you to, to just carve more time in, in the presence of the Lord, abiding with him and, and prayer and the word of God. It may be that, that you already have a plan and you're going through the, the Bible in the year chronologically. If you don't have a plan, I wanna challenge you even now to just say every day, read a chapter in Nehemiah, It'd be a chapter in the Proverbs and then a chapter in the Gospels, all right? Over the next 21 days, as a church family, let's elevate God's word. Let's spend time in prayer and allow us to be bothered by, if you're not bothered by something, maybe you're just being too inward and too selfish. But let's just be available and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me in my marriage and my, my small group and where I work? And how can I be about your kingdom and expanding your kingdom here on earth? Can we humble ourselves even now? May we bow before the Lord. And let's just, let's just begin to pray. Lord, we're, we're sensitive to this moment. I don't want us to be in a hurry. Lord, I pray that, 
if we've calloused our hearts and it's been some time before we've wept or been bothered, I pray, oh, oh Lord, that we'd be open to be bothered and upset about something that you're upset about. There's a lot of issues, a lot of problems in this world that, and I know that you wanna do something extraordinary through in us. Father, I pray that we would not be a people that's afraid or negative, but Father, that we would be a people of action individually and together. So I pray even now that as we, we ask that you would reveal to us, Lord, here we are at the beginning of the year where it's easy to make selfish goals and resolutions, but more than that, I pray that we would seek a revelation from you that can only happen when we abide with you in prayer. So we humble ourselves to seek your face, Jesus. I pray that right now we wait upon you. Would you reveal a face, a name, begin to give us a pain and just a spiritual sorrow maybe over a group of people, maybe children, a neighbor, an issue. Maybe it's a country or a people group. We don't have all the details, but Lord, I pray that it'll start with a burden for people, a burden that you have. May we share in that. Father, I pray that we would commit having a vision of what our abiding time can look like. Lord, I know that you want us to grow, to become a devoted follower of you, to be close to you. And we want to seek you. We want to know more about your character and nature. I pray that you would just ignite a hunger for your presence and your word. Lord, forgive us if we've allowed other things to crowd that place, other pleasure, thorns, in the field that have given our time and attention to that really doesn't glorify you or matter as much, but I pray that we would be disciplined here at the beginning of the year, that we would honor you and glorify you with our time and our, our talents and our treasure. Guide us, Holy Spirit, speak to us. With heads still bowed, and you may be here today and the weight that you feel and maybe the you're feeling a little bit of sorrow and it's, it's conviction over where you stand with God and maybe you're not in right standing with him. You don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. And as you look back, you've seen that maybe your world has revolved around you and there's a lot of fears and concerns and there's, and there's, there's, there's maybe sin in your life that you're, you're struggling to and, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you to a change, to a moment. The good news is that that God sent his son Jesus because he loves you. And there's nothing that you can do to fix yourself. There's nothing that you can do through your good works to save yourself. But just like Nehemiah, Jesus came to this earth and his mission was to seek and save those who were lost, to come to sinners and save them. How did he do it? He, and he, he got into places where he looked at a at people who were lost and it says that he wept and he was moved with compassion because of his love. And that drove him to be a person of prayer where he withdrew in the wilderness to pray. He prayed in the garden so intensely that he, and he 
There was drops of blood that came out of him. And, and then it came to a place of action. And that, that the final moment of action was to lay his life down and to die on the cross. And that he would die, but he would raise from the dead. And if we put our trust in him, if we would turn from our sin and turn from God, then we could be forgiven and saved. And if the Holy Spirit's revealing this to you, that this would be a moment of salvation for you, that you can start off the year saying, I, I can be forgiven, I can be changed, I can have my identity in, in him as his son and daughter. And if there's something inside of you that says, yes, I want that to be me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And I'm accounted three. And if you're ready to surrender your life to him, to respond to what he did on the cross by surrendering your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you that you might be saved and forgiven your life can be right with him. So one, two, if you're in this room and respond to what Jesus did on the cross for you, that you could experience his forgiveness and his grace. Three, will you raise your hand in this room? Don't hold back. Don't be shy. Don't wait any longer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your, your faith in the Lord. We rejoice. We're clapping. I see you in the very back. Thank you. Anybody on the right side of the room that you would... Raise your hand. I want to pray with you in this moment, this moment of decision. Again, this is a, a starting line to your faith. And as we commit your life to God in prayer, again, it's more than just praying a prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a start of following after Jesus. It's a, a life of commitment and discipleship. And God's going to help you. He's going to change you right now. So let's humble ourselves right now as you commit to just following after Jesus. Would you just say his name out loud? Just say his name, Jesus. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead, that I can have a relationship with you. And so I turn from my sin and I turn to you, God. And I pray right now in this moment that there would be an eternal change happening in the minds and the hearts that you would set my friends free from the bondage of sin and hopelessness is that you give them new life in Christ. God, that they are a new creation in you, a son and daughter. Give them a hunger and thirst for Christian fellowship, for your word. Help us as a church family. Help them, oh God, to, to follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we welcome our friends to the family of God?